We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Here we go on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Joel Moldauer is coming up here in just a bit, but as always, we are joined by the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. T-Row, how's it going, man? Are you? Uh, it's good. Are you, are you enjoying a little downtime, getting refreshed for the start of football? Yeah, we are uh, smack in the middle of summer. Um, hopefully, the Seattle-like weather that we had around here has come to an end. Not that I don't want rain. Farmers need rain. Everyone needs rain. But uh, the mosquitoes have uh, have invaded our land, and we need a couple of dry days. But yeah, no, we're in the heart of summer, getting some family time, some R and R, and it's not going to be long till football season's here, man. No, it's not. And you know, obviously, there's some stories involving the the running back depth chart. But I'll I'll tell you what, T. Row. I'm kind of excited about the transfer in Eric Gray, and I'm excited about Kennedy Brooks being back in this team, uh, back on this team this year and on the roster. And, you know, I'm a big believer in not just writing off someone because they maybe didn't star after their first or second year. So I'm excited about Marcus Majors' possibility on this team as well. I know that, you know, the depth chart has taken a hit with the dismissal of a couple of guys, and you see Ramondre Stevenson turning pro, but it, it – we got DeMarco Murray running the show at that running back room. I feel pretty good about their future. I agree. I do think it is a legitimate area of concern from a numbers perspective. Um, I think they're okay right now. Uh, they, they're incredibly talented. Not worried about talent at all. What we saw from Eric Gray in the spring was exciting. I think he has a good chance to be the number one back going into the fall. Kennedy Brooks is a proven commodity. I don't think we know, you know, what the year off has done to him, good or bad. He might have 
fresh rested legs and be on the verge of uh, his best season in a Sooner uniform, he might be a little rusty early. We just, we don't know, but he's a proven commodity. We know he's a thousand yard type uh, back, a, a guy who can carry the, the ball 20, 25 times a game if need be. Uh, I share your excitement for Marcus Major. He was having, a, you know, just kind of a, 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 he's another guy career until the game you called, until the Cotton Bowl against Florida when he had a breakout performance. So I think he's taking a world of momentum into this fall. And um, a guy that I think the rest of the conference and the rest of the country doesn't necessarily know, might be sleeping on a bit, could be kind of a surprise star for this team this year, perhaps. Um, so I think there's lots of talent, plenty of championship caliber talent. The question is the depth at that position specifically, because that's a position where guys get nicked up. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, where you start the year with five or six guys and we're talking about how they're going to keep everybody happy, how they're going to get everybody touches. And then before you know it, they're handing the ball to the fullback in Ames, Iowa. So uh, they're going to have to you're going to have to stay healthy because unless they go get some more depth, which they might, but unless they go get some more depth, there's not the normal amount there that you'd like going into a season. So it's a legitimate concern. I think. Yeah, I, I get excited around this time of year because, first of all, we're as we tape this like a week away from Big 12 Media Days, which is, it seems like it gets earlier every single year when we do Big 12 Media Days. And then in that, you and I will probably start in, what, mid-August doing position previews. And I think running back and Eric Gray is going to be a big story on that front for Sooner fans. All right. One other thing that you and I haven't had a chance to talk about, I hope everyone had a chance to listen to our interview with uh, Kenny Mossman and with Jason Leonard from last Friday on name, image, likeness, NIL. Anything that's kind of caught your eye in the early days of this or that stood out to you? Or has it been about what you expected? Um, I don't know what I expected. Um, I think it's all been fascinating. I think that you have had a guy in Spencer Rattler – who was maybe more prepared for this than anybody in the country. I mean, he was, he had his ducks in a row and just was waiting for the calendar to flip and good for him. I mean, he is, he's taken full advantage of this thing. Uh, you have had a flurry of activity kind of on that first day around the country of iced tea sponsorships and, and uh, the twins out in California, the basketball players, Fresno, I believe it is. Yep, and, yep. and uh, so you had a flurry of activity on day one. It seems to have calmed a little bit for right now. And uh, you've got some social media opportunities and some cameo opportunities and things like that that are going on. And I think that's all fantastic. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed your podcast with Kenny and Jason. And if folks haven't heard it, it was very educational. And I would highly um, suggest you do so uh, because it's just fascinating to know kind of how it's all going to work. You know, the nuts and bolts of the structure that they've set up for how OU athletes go about taking advantage of this and, you know, how, the, how sponsor potential sponsors out there uh, should go about it so that they make sure nobody gets in trouble for anything. And, 
and how they don't really have clear guidance from the NCAA right now and other schools have different rules and everybody's not playing on the same playing field. Different states have different rules and everything. That's all, I mean, that, that all bothers me a little bit. You know, that all worries me, I should say, because when you have a situation where not everybody's playing by the same set of rules, that's, that's ripe for somebody getting a leg up um, or a whole bunch of somebody's getting a leg up. And, you know, that's not, that's not in the spirit of fairness. So hopefully they can all, the, the, the schools or the NCAA or the states or all of the above can figure out a way to all get on the same page and do this by the same set of rules. And at the same time, you know, have opportunities for student athletes to, to take advantage of this potentially wonderful new world for them out there. So I, I'm just kind of a bystander Same. watching mostly on social media, um, how they're going about this. And it has been very interesting so far to see the different ways athletes have tried to market themselves and market their brand. I think Oklahoma's done, I, I, I can't speak to other universities, but I think Oklahoma's done an amazing job of seeing this in the distance, being prepared for it, getting a, a structure a, in place to where when the calendar did flip to July 1, our athletes and our people had a plan and had this foundry and this organization and this method by which, all right, here's how, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to help you. Here's how you go about it and have encouraged it. Whereas I think there are other places around the country where they're like, Oh, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? You know? So I appreciate and that, you know, that all goes back to Joe and Kenny and the compliance department and, and Lincoln and, Porter and everybody that is, um, you know, at the top of the food chain around here for, for having the foresight to, to get us prepared. Agreed. And I think two things, by the way, I encourage everyone to listen. I, I, it's one of those conversations that when you wrap up, you, you, you constantly think, was there something else we needed to get to? Was there there another storyline? And then you realize there's so many other angles to this that we don't even know when it comes to name, image, and likeness yet, yeah, there'll, there'll be plenty of time to try to solve any of the issues or learn more about it. But two things that really stood out. Number one, if you're one of those people that said, well, what if a player has a sponsorship responsibility or a sponsor responsibility and it coincides with practice? No, no, no. There's, there's a time to where they say, no, this is, you cannot have uh, NIL issue. I, I don't know if that's even the proper way to put it, T-Row, but maybe kind of a dead time where you're focused on, your sport and you don't worry about sponsor issues and your sponsor works around that. And then the second thing is, I, I, I think a lot of people are kind of waiting to see what the NA, uh, NCAA, NCAA back, backbone of this is going to be too, because I think Jason Leonard referred to it quite a bit on the podcast. They expected there to be some sort of NCAA guidance on this as well, but it never really materialized. And will it materialize? Will it be something? I don't know. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if there is that addition as time progresses to where the NCAA says, okay, we've let it play out for a little bit. Here's the way the rules look are, are going to look going forward based on what we've learned. I think that's, that's what's gotta next, happen. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to happen. And I, and I understand that there's probably some trepidation on their fault on their part about, you know, not wanting to put limits on, 
student athletes because that's what this is all about. Right. Hey, don't hold us. Don't hold us back. We should be able to go do what we want. Okay, understood. At the same time, that's how the United States of America works. You know, <laughs> we have we have freedom and we have capitalism and we all have the ability ability to go market ourselves and brand ourselves and make money and and uh, seek employment and all that kind of stuff. But there are rules to follow at, that govern us across the board, whether it's um, you know, state governments or federal government or security and exchange commission or whatever it may be that governs your particular field. There has to be a set of rules by which everyone uh, plays. And so, yeah, at some point, the NCAA and or the state and federal governments are going to have to get on the same page and say, all right, this, this is how it works so that everybody can do this fairly. And most importantly, the student athletes can still pursue opportunities, but uh, we can't have different rules for Alabama than we have for Oklahoma, than we have for USC, than we have for Colorado, than we have for Montana, than we have for Indiana. You know, everybody can't have different rules or it's going to eventually just lean heavy toward whoever's got the uh, most lenient set of rules is going to win the most football games. So anyway, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's very yeah. early stages of this and they're still trying to work it out and uh, hopefully they can get it, get there quickly. All right. So you'll mold hours coming up next. He sat down with Meg McDonald. Are you ready for some Olympic men's gymnastics T row? Yeah. yeah. I'm a big Olympics fan. Um, we had uh, Olympics at our house on the 4th of July it was uh, our theme this year was the Olympics. So we participated, our family participated in a bunch of different competitions Nice at the house. Um, my team won the bronze. My wife's team won the gold medal and she's uh, holding it over my head frequently. <laughs> so no, I, we love the Olympics at our house. And uh, certainly when a sooner is in it, it makes it extra special. Gymnastics is always one of the most uh, entertaining. So can't wait. Yul Moldauer is coming up next with Meg McDonald after this. Thanks, T-Ro. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Hi, everyone. So excited to talk to you. Former Sooner national champion, All-American, and now Olympian Yule Moldauer. Yule, thank you so much for joining us and putting up with these interviews for what are we at, five, six years at this point? It's crazy. No, it's great. Thanks for always having me and thanks for wanting to chat again. So most of us knew you had a really good shot at making Team USA in Tokyo this summer, but now it's official. So has it sunk in yet? I guess what has your life been like in the last week or so? Um, honestly, it's been kind of crazy. I've been doing a lot of interviews and we've had some photo shoots. And we had some news people come in, but for me, I don't call myself an Olympian yet just because I haven't gone and competed You know, once. You know, that whole thing's over and the competition is over, you know, then I'll call myself Olympian. But, you know, there's still a big job coming up, you know, made the team, you know, that's step one. And now, you know, the job is just getting started. So I've got to focus back in. You have what is an incredible story, the American dream. For those that don't know, walk us through your journey, your life, starting in South Korea. Um, yeah, um, you know, I was adopted um, from South Korea when I was, you know, a baby, not even one years old yet. And I got adopted to, you know, a farmhouse in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, grew up on a farm, um, somehow found myself in a gymnastics class at the age of seven. And, you know, started training there, moved to Denver for a better gym, and started training under Vladimir Artemov, who was the coach and father of Alexander Artemov, who went to the Olympics in 2008 and got a bronze medal on, t on the team podium. And then, you know, I got recruited by Mark, uh, went through four years of college with them in the NCAA. And, you know, after that, I decided to take my career on a little longer and now I'm here. Why is it important to show kids out there that it doesn't matter where you come from? It doesn't matter where your life starts, what you look like, that you can still find a way to live out your dream. Why is that important for you to show kids how important that is? Um, you know, I think it's it's very important, you know, just to keep, you know, kids from any background, any color, any religion, you know, any uh, sexual preference or any of that, you know, it's important to know that if you put in the work, if you believe in yourself, if you surround yourself by good resources and good people, you know, no dream is too big or too high. You can always shoot for it. It just takes work. Gymnastics is an incredible sport. The amount of athleticism, agility, body control, mental control, it's, it's insane. Why do you think that gymnastics was the sport that landed for you? You know, I like, I like being on top of, you know, high things. I like cliff jumping. I like flipping around. You know, I love the aspect of you know in gymnastics there's always something that you can be improving you know no matter how good you are you know i mean look at simone biles she's probably the best gymnast in the world but there she is working on every single detail no matter what and i think gymnastics is interesting like that because no matter how good you are you can always get better and better and better this time last year we actually spoke the olympics were postponed we knew nothing about this virus. You were training in your yard. How would you describe this entire year leading up to the games? You know, it's definitely been a crazy ride. Um, but, you know, like you said, when I was training in my garage with Alan and Colin and Genki, you know, we had no idea what the next move was. And, 
you know, I think it just shows no matter what's going on around you, you know, there's always something that you can be controlling and that's what you're doing, what your mindset is and, and figuring out how to get through hard times, you know, life in general, you're going to have ups and downs and it's all about being able to control, you know, what you can control. And that was, you know, our training, that was keeping each other accountable at home. And I think it really just showed, you know, if you can get through the year of COVID, then anything else will be, you know, easy. And, you know, now you know the right mindsets of, you know, how to get yourself motivated. And I think it just shows that there's a lot of mind power behind every sport. How were you able to stay so motivated by not knowing what this year looked like? We didn't even know if the Olympics was going to happen. How were you able to stay so focused, so motivated throughout the year? Uh, there are many things. You know, first of all, it was my teammates at OU and, and now 5280, just always keeping each other accountable. You know, did you do this? Did you do this? And, you know, I always told myself, no matter if the Olympics are going to happen or not, I'm going to train and I'm going to prepare as hard as I can because I want to be able to say if they were canceled or not that I'm happy with what I was doing before, you know, the Olympics or if they were canceled. So I always just said, you know, they're going to happen no matter the circumstances, train like it's going to happen no matter what. As one of the most decorated NCAA gymnasts ever, it's such a great sport to watch college gymnastics, but unfortunately schools have had to make cuts. They've cut some of the programs recently. Why is it important for USA Gymnastics to have the road of college gymnastics to get to the point where you want to be representing and hopefully on the podium, you know, for the Olympic Games and further down the road in Worlds, et cetera? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at the, the Olympic team now, every single member has been to the NCAA. Um, the NCAA provides just the crucial, you know, I, I say this a lot, the crucial stepping stones of making that next big step in our sport. Um, you know, in the NCAA, you compete, I think, like 12 to 15 meets in a row. And when you have competitions back to back to back every weekend, you really start to figure out, you know, how you compete, how you warm up, what routines you want, and how they're structured. And you kind of just get in this rhythm of, you know, of confidence of how to get in that competition mode and competition mindset. And, you know, I couldn't imagine my career without the NCAA. And I, I try and think about this all the time. I'm like, man, like, what if I didn't go to college? What happened if, you know, there was no NCAA gymnastics? I definitely wouldn't be sitting in the same spot that I'm in now. Um, you know, I think gymnastics and, and NCAA gymnastics is overlooked. You know, you you think, oh, you know, you just need to be talented and work hard and you'll make it to the Olympics. But, you know, the college aspect teaches you so many things beyond just the physical side of our sport. It's the team priority. It's the mental side. It's, you know, your scheduling. It's how to handle high pressure. You know, you're competing five up, five counts, three up, two counts. So it's honestly replicating what you'll feel at the world level, at the Olympic level, at, you know, the national team level. So it's just, it's so important to keep NCAA gymnastics. How did you get better while you were in Norman training under head coach Mark Williams and your fellow Sooners? Um, it was definitely just, you know, the coaching staff. It was the resources that I had at OU. And a big step was just all the people and all my teammates that I had at OU. You know, they they all have the same dreams that I do of making the national team, getting onto world teams, Olympic teams. And, 
you know, I remember the first meeting we had at OU, they said, are you here? And, you know, all of our young freshmen are just saying, oh, we want to do good in gymnastics, get a good education. And, you know, they're like, no, you're here to win a national championship. And when you take that mindset and you really embrace it, you really start to understand that every single turn, every single day, every single minute, every single second counts in earning, you know, a national championship. And it's a lot of work, but at the end of the day, when you're raising that trophy on the podium, it's totally worth every single second. What do you believe a successful run for Team USA at the Games this summer potentially potentially will do for NCAA gymnastics? You know, I, I, I think about this all the time. In 2008, when the U.S. men's team were standing on the podium when no one thought they could, I feel like gymnastics had a huge uprising in that quad. And then we didn't place well in 2012 or you know, 2016, and it kind of dropped down. Um, so for us to be standing on that podium, I think we'll start being recognized as a team that, you know, a medal contender, you know, people want to join gymnastics. You know, my biggest dream is to have a full quad where we podium on the Olympics, we podium at the next two world championships, and people start to look at us as, you know, the women's team. You know, they podium so much, they have so much publicity. They have, you know, all the sponsorships, you know, so I think if we can do our job and we can start putting and bring back hardware, people will start to recognize, you know, the gymnastics team and it's, you know, a really cool sport again. Before we get to goals for Team USA, you won a bronze at Worlds in 2017. What are your goals as an individual at the Games? You know, I'm not, it's a hard question because I'm not too focused on myself. Uh, my main goal is that team medal. You know, that's all I want. You know, I I want this feeling for all of us because I've gotten to experience it in the NCAA. When you get onto a podium with your teammates and you look left and right and you just went through, you know, a crazy year, you went through a lot of hard work, you went through a lot of sacrifices, there's nothing that feels better as doing something as a group than, you know, doing something individually. So for me, my mindset is, you know, if I do well for the team, you know, hopefully all the individual goals will come. You know, I never go into a world championships or Olympic games or even the NCAA saying, oh, I need to win. You know, I say this, we need to win. Um, So I think that's more of my, you know, my mindset. But, you know, all the individual stuff will come if we focus on the team. There is so much competition on the men's side at the Olympic games in terms of teams and countries. It's tough. So how can Team USA get on the podium this summer? Obviously, that is one of your goals. You know, I, it's exciting because, you know, China has a strong team and Japan has a really strong team and so does Russia. But the thing is, you know, Japan has a really young team. So, you know, anything could happen. That's the exciting thing about gymnastics is no matter how good or dominant you are, anything can happen. And all you have to do is fight from the first event to the very last event. And I think if we just go in the mindset of not saying, hey, we need to podium, but saying, hey, let's just go out there and have fun and perform. We've been to so many meets. This is just one big show. Let's just go out there and just hit routines for each other. I think we can sneak up on there. I think we can surprise teams. I feel like we're kind of like the dark horse team. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, U.S. is the top, maybe top four or five team, but – we definitely can get on the podium if we have the right mindset and if we just go out there and hit sets. 
what are some of the strengths of this team specifically, whether it's events or difficulty on certain events? Walk us through what you believe is an asset on this team specifically. You know, I think what we have as a team, and it's nothing on events or difficulty, it's, I think it's our youth, and I think it's how hungry we all are. You know, we, at this point, we have nothing to lose. You know, it's not like we're two-time defending Olympic champions. It's not like we podiumed in the last Olympics. All we have to go out there and do is be free and have fun and just run with it. And I think that youth brings a lot to the team. You know, we're all so excited to finally make the Olympic team after, you know, dreaming of this for years. And we have one leader, Sam Bullock, who's kind of the veteran who can kind of just walk us through everything. But it's the youth and excitement that we have, I think, will uh, surprise people. You bring up Sam. How can we get Sam a medal this July? <laughs> you know, that, that is something I've said before. You know, I really want to, you know, leave Sam with some hardware around his neck. And I think we just have to go out there and, again, just hit sets. You know, we, we don't even need to go out there and say we need to hit perfectly. All we need to do is hit, hit set after set and put the pressure on the other teams. And I think they'll realize that we're a lot better than we are on paper because, you know, the U.S. judging is a lot different from international judging. Okay, just a few more. So appreciative of all the time you're giving us here at OU. What does the next month, what do the next few weeks look like for you in terms of training and flying out to Tokyo? Yeah, so actually right now we're at the Olympic team camp in Colorado Springs. So it was pretty easy. It was just an hour drive for me. But we'll be here till, you know, Saturday. We get home for, you know, three, four days. And then we leave July 15th to Tokyo to Funabashi, our host city. We'll train there for a week. And after that, it's go time. What are you most excited for outside of gymnastics? For the Olympic Games? Well, we're not allowed to leave our hotel rooms, um, but I really want to try and get some ramen brought up to my room because the ramen there is amazing. And it's like we found this one ramen shop in Funabashi that's kind of like hidden in the back alley, and it is probably the best ramen I've ever had in my life. What sport are you most looking forward to watching outside of gymnastics? So that's the thing. We're not even allowed to go watch other sports. So we have to take a COVID test every I think, day. Um, as soon as we're done competing, you have 48 hours to leave the country. And we're not allowed to go watch any other sports. But if I could go watch other sports, I'd definitely go watch track and field, swimming, basket. Honestly, I try and go watch them all. I'm such a big guy. Like, I love just you know, athletes and, and like rising to the occasion. I think that's some of the best moments of your life. That is really unfortunate because what a great opportunity to meet other athletes and. Yeah, I guess I'll just have to go for the next one. Okay, that's a great way to segue to my final question of the day with Yule Moldauer, the plan to go for the next Olympics. What does that look like? Oh, it's 100%. You know, the next one is in Paris. And I think that one would be a beautiful Olympic Games to go to. And then the next squad after that, it's in Los Angeles. So, you know, I want to go till 2028 because I think it would be pretty badass to say you retire in your home country. So 2028 is the goal. 
Wow. Well, best of luck sustaining your body for the next eight, seven, eight years. That is an incredible goal. I hope you accomplish it. Well, Yule, thanks so much for your time. We miss you here at OU. We are cheering for you at the Olympic Games. Best of luck and thank you so much. Yo, thank you for having me and miss you guys too. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.